One thing's for certain, you can never beat the stock market. Except, that's not really true. Mike Morton is here to tell you how to exactly beat the stock market. I'm Matt Robeson. This is Financial Life Planning, the show in which I am the host for our expert guest and proprietor of the show, Mike Morton. Mike, you're going to do the impossible today. You got it, man. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I Look, I'm pretty sure that when I was an economics major, I read a whole book about this, about how you can't beat the stock market. You will find wise heads tell you. As a matter of fact, your wise head is constantly telling me, no, you're not going to beat the market. Just take advantage of it. The market's great. Just go with the flow. Just be a dead fish. Just go with the flow. <laughs> and yet... You come to me this morning and you're like, oh, Matt, I've got a great idea for a show. How to beat the market. Shenanigans, Mike Morton. I call it shenanigans. What are you talking about? No, stay tuned for the end. There'll be secret sauce, how you can actually beat the stock market. But I like the dead fish. Why are we dead fish, Matt, Flo floating down That's the river? That's what Sarah Palin said. Only, it was only one thing and dead fish go with the flow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm like everything that she says, but uh, I don't know. We're going to... Why is... Okay, let me start off with this. Why... Should I want to beat the stock market? I'm serious about this. Like your whole point, your whole raison d'etre to get all existentialist and French about it is you want people to de-stress. You want people to be happy in their lives, right? You're not just yep. like a financial planner. You try and work with your folks on, hey, how do we make things simpler? And your number one piece of advice is, hey, don't, don't overcomplicate things. Just... Stock market returns are great. You're going to make them. Like, do the simple stuff and you're going to be fine. How about I do that? Like, why should you even set out to try to beat the market? You know what? I love that, Matt. And I don't think you should set out to beat the stock market. Okay? I'm and that's still the end tell of our to, show. I'm, I'm gonna, no, no. I'm going to tell you how to do it if you really want to. All right? I will tell you how to. But I don't think you should set out to do it because you're exactly right. Some, but some people love it, right? Love following the markets, love getting in and out. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But in general, yeah, man, I'm like set it and forget it. Do those automation 401k things, the 403b, the target date funds, the low cost index funds. Check in once a year, do a little rebalancing and live your life. Yeah, 100%, man. So I say stick with that. If that's working for you, do not deviate from that. Uh, but stay tuned if you want to learn how you can use your superpowers as an individual investor to beat the stock market. Oh, I'm so teased right now, tantalized. I Are you saying that for 99% of people out there, like, do what you just said, but there are people, hey, there are people who like to go to casinos. And let's face it, the stock market is in some ways set up to be a giant casino. And there are ways that if you like to play the game, here's how. Yes, cool. exactly what you just said. But I don't think All it's right. 99%. It might be 70%. I run into a lot of people that enjoy the stock market, the uh, casino of the stock market. So oh, that, this, uh, this episode is for you know just learning a little bit more about how you can play the game when you walk into the casino. It really is. It's, it reminds me of the scene in Trading Places where Eddie Murphy's character has the realization, it's like, y'all are a couple of bookies, right? It's like, it, either way, the house wins. The house always wins because they take a cut on the transaction. They don't care. If you make money, they win. If you lose money, they win. And so I don't like that particular vibe. I'm not a casino. Do you ever, have you ever gone to a casino? I, Matt, you've been to more casinos. I know you're not a casino guy and you've been to more of them than I have. I've stepped into I've a casino maybe casinos. like once. 
So. Yeah. Do you have a game? Is there a thing that you want to, that you would play going into a casino? Uh, no, I would probably be one of those like people watch. I'd love to watch everything that's going on. It'd just be like overwhelming. Uh, but I'd love, you know, be a fly on the wall and watch everybody. Yeah, you're a good listener. Thing. That's why you're good at what you do. <laughs> I will say that, and this is, I promise this isn't just totally a diversion, but I would play blackjack if ever I'm in a casino. It's because it's the one where I know the odds the best. And I know that the house edge, like how much the house is killing you by, is the lowest with the exception of very particular bets in craps. That's a that's another show. We'll get it done another time. <laughs> Hold on but show. like in blackjack, you can decrease the house edge to the minimum possible if you're reasonably smart. And I feel like, look, I, at least I like to know. At least I like to know and I like to minimize the amount in which I'm just bleeding out to a billion-dollar corporation. All right, all right. <laughs> but I think that's on point because that's, again, for the majority of people, what you set out to do is you just take the optimal path. You minimize the amount of bleed that you paid. That's why you do – you say do the low-cost index funds for most people. Just go with that. All right. But let's yeah. say you've decided you're going to step into the casino. Where do you start? Yeah. Well, first I'll tell you a couple things not to do. So the reason we love to use low cost index funds is because they perform very well. You know, you're going to get the market returns. And let me, again, studies have shown consistently that actively managed funds, people trying to beat the market, right? I mean, that's what you're trying to do, either downside risk, upside return, whatever it is, you're trying to do better than that low cost index fund. They just can't do it. So, you know, I'll put some statistics in the show notes, but again, another study from 1991 to 2020, so 30 years, only less than 25%, less than one quarter of the actively managed funds beat the index. So your chance, again, you have to pick that fund, right? So you have a, a one in four chance of picking somebody that's gonna outperform the low cost index fund. That's why we use the low cost index funds. The other reason is you're more likely to just stay in it. The target date fund or the low cost index fund you're likely to put your money in there and, and not touch it. Maybe rebalance, maybe add to it if you're still working, right? And again, the research shows that not only do the actively managed funds underperform the benchmark, uh, the investor returns underperform the fund returns. What do I mean by that? Well, the fund made you know 8% a year for 10 years, but the investors in the fund only made 7% a year. How? Wait. Matt, how's that possible? It's because well, y'all because... are a couple of bookies. That's <laughs> yeah. why, right? It's because no, it's... they make money either way. They make money No, on it's fees. not only that. Correct, there are fees, but that's not why. The okay. reason why the investors only made 7% and not 8% is because most investors came in as this, as that index, as that, sorry, oh. as that managed fund was making money. Oh, this oh. is a hot fund. They've done well for five years. And so they get more and more money. Investors come into the fund after the first five years that were, say, 12% returns for the first five years. So then they add money to it. And then it's pretty lackluster from there. Only gets 5% a year for the next five years. And the investors take their money out. So if you look at the money flows in and out, investors are even making less than the funds because they're chasing the hot thing. So my first tip is... That may have already tips. peaked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've already they've already peaked, man. You know That's what, when you, you know learned what this about reminds them. me of? You know what this reminds me of? It's like an NBA team or an NFL team. You have an all-star 
and it's, hey, you've been an all-star the last two seasons, time for a gigantic contract. And yep. you're, you're paying for past performance at that point. And the really smart teams, Bill Belichick is really good at this as much as he's a jerk. The really smart teams say, all right, let's look at the probability of future performance. And they there cut ties with people. They're totally ruthless. They're like, hey, Richard Seymour, you did a great job. Let me introduce you to the LA Raiders because <laughs> that's where your future is, man. And that's essentially what they do. And it sounds like investors are always falling into the trap of, hey, this has done well. So now I'll get my money in. Bad you move. got it, man. Let's yeah. see how uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets work out over the next uh, one or two years. <laughs> maybe i just lost some listeners i'm not sure (laughs) no i don't i think whatever you lose you're gonna gain more by go ahead continue to slam the jets i think that's a popular (laughs) position in america that's right so don't use actively managed funds i just told you the statistics so use those low-cost index funds and the second reason don't chase the hot return so even if they're hot stocks right oh man i'm hearing about this hot thing just be wary, like it's already made some money. <laughs> you know, it's a, those investors that got in early, yeah, they're up, they're feeling good, but you might not be at that point. So don't chase, chase the hot stuff. So now a couple other points that set us up for how you as the individual investor can beat the stock market, all right? Oh, this is what it. you do. What, what superpowers do you have? Let me set it up a little bit. Wait, stock hold on, market. you know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. Can I give a tease? Yeah. Yep. We're going to take an ad break here for our podcast <laughs> listeners. When we come back, Mike Morton's going to tell you how to actually beat the stock market. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. All right, no, I, that, that, that all right, was we're it. back. That, yeah. Wait, we're Do back? It. Oh my gosh, that was yeah. so fast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let me just first tell you how the stock market returns tend to work. Now, you know the stock market, this, let's just take the U.S. stock market. There's like 3,500 companies. There's thousands of companies in the total U.S. stock market. Well, out of those, what drives the return? You know, is it all 3,000 companies kind of doing well? Mm. It turns out hardly at all. It's only about 4% of the companies in the stock market make up the return. A vast majority just get average T-bill-like returns, two, three, 4% a year over 30, 40 years. You know, just very, very low, like, like what you get on interest, you know, on your bonds. Um, and then a bunch of companies go out, out of business, um, a, whole, a whole lot of them. Only about 4% are these superstars, okay, that drive a massive amount of return. Think of like Apple and Amazon, uh, not today, not today, guys. <laughs> Thirty years ago, okay. Right. Thirty years ago, if you held them, you'd be up massively. You know those com- those companies just skyrocketed. Um, so there's a few, and there are a lot of names that you've never heard of. You know, bes- besides that. Um, so over the past thirty years, there's been forty four stocks that have generated cumulative returns of ten thousand percent or more. Whoa, ten thousand percent. And these are Home Depot, Amgen, Nike. And then here you go, Matt. United Health, Danaher, Altair, uh, Jack Henry and Associates, Altria Group, Jack Kansas Henry City. and Associates. So, you know, you know, half of the maybe you've heard of some of them, right? Obviously, Nike and Apple. I'll tell you what you that know. I haven't heard of. But Jack Henry and Associates. Henry I could and not Associates. even begin to guess what line of business they're in. It sounds I don't even know what. It brings to mind like a kid with a stick like hitting a hoop along, because that's what people used to do for entertainment yeah. when they were kids in those days. Yeah, okay. 
But the point is, right, there's a few superstars. And if you manage to get them, get them and hold them, now, mm. these companies have also had massive declines, you know, during that 30-year period. So, you get them and hold them, then that's uh, a way of, you know, if you had one of those, man, you'd be like, hitting it out of the ballpark a couple times over. That's interesting. So, first of all, just to reiterate, that list that you just gave, that's not the list necessarily that you should invest in, unless you have a time Correct. machine. In yeah, which yeah. case, don't invest in the stock market. I guess that would be one thing. But look up, do the... Do the back to the future thing. Look up the horse races. That's right. Go there. But yeah. okay. So you don't want to chase the hot stocks, right? And right. you you want to, there's something about timing in this. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. And the only other last point before I tell you what you do do. Oh, okay. Really, so I told you only really a few stocks. Attenuating few stocks the tease Superstars. Here. Oh, just setting the stage, man. A few stocks are superstars. And right. then- to reiterate that point, the actively managed funds have own, you know, a basket of things. The more they own, the less chance they're they're really rolling the dice on the things they believe in the most. So in other words, like if I'm a fund manager, I'm going to own 50 or 100 different stocks. Okay. Re- you know, do I really believe in all 50 or 100? Like if I, you know, are they really going to hit it out of the park? It's probably not. You know, a few of those are my best ideas. Okay. And that's how the individual investor, if you want to go this route, can try to beat the stock market. First, own low-cost index funds and just get those market returns, okay? But two things are in your favor. Here are the two things in your favor as an individual investor. One, long, long, long time horizon, all right? You can buy a stock today and hold it forever. Actively managed fund fund managers do not have that, okay? They have money coming in. They got to buy stuff like, oh man, I've done really well for five years. So now my fund has doubled. You know, more people are, are, are wanting to buy my fund. So I have to go buy more stuff. And then if I happen to get some poor returns for one or two years, people are selling out and I got to sell some stuff to give them back their money, all right? But the individual investor, you have the opportunity to buy and hold for as long as you want. And the other piece of that is as long as you want. So the other superpower is, long, long, long time horizon, all right? You can buy and just hold forever. So we wanna use both of those to our advantage using low cost index funds so you don't have fees, you don't get those lower investor returns, you're gonna actually get the return of what you invest in. And if you wanna go out there and look for some small stocks, you know, that you believe will outperform over decades, go ahead and put some money into them and then hold them forever. I'll tell you a quick story. In the Great Depression, there was a small town in Florida. It's called Quincy, Florida. And there was a banker named Pat Monroe who was a big fan of Coca-Cola. And he noticed that people really liked the taste. And so he urged his fellow townspeople to buy stocks in Coca-Cola, which, by the way, were trading for, like, nothing in those days. He himself put most of his money into stocks of Coca-Cola, and it paid off. Not only did, obviously, Coca-Cola thrive in the decades to come, but for a time, Quincy, Florida, was the richest town per capita in the United States because all the people had bought and held Coke stock because it was something they believed in. And by the way, when they asked Pat Monroe, why did you advise people to buy Coke stocks, he said, people like the taste. So sometimes just the observation of here is a company that I believe in, 
that's relatively small now and I have the ability to hold on for a long time, it really can pay off. And if you don't believe me, check out Quincy, Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's a great story, Matt. And it's definitely true. You know, um, look around to the product services that you use that maybe not everybody knows about. They're not the headlines in the news uh, in the newspaper, uh, but things that you know and you love. There's a good opportunity for investing that. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that may or may not happen in the future, right? The the management of that company they do like Amazon's a great example of this, where. I was a big fan of them 10, year, 10 or 15 years ago, and I did not buy them. But really what changed a lot of their business is AWS, right? And that's not the book company, nor even the shipping or the one day or the two day shipping. It's literally this cloud. So part of it's like, you never know what direction the companies are going to go, uh, the products and services you're using today. But this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the okay, way. Grogu. And, you know, find some products and services that you love and you believe in and you think are going to be massive and, and not everybody's chasing, you know, and go ahead and put some money in them and hold them. And if you get one of these superstars, Matt, it does really add up. 5,000 bucks turns into 500,000, you know, in, in 20 years. So it can make a small amount in a, in a superstar can make a difference in your portfolio. So let me just run a couple of quick things by you. So first of all, I just want to repeat the caveat that we set up front. For most people out there, low cost index funds, you don't want to walk into the casino. So everything that you're saying here is if you're going to walk into the casino, the way to do it is if you're going to if you're going to try to beat the market the way to do it is and it sounds like what you were advocating is am i hearing right is it essentially value investing is essentially the warren buffett strategy well yes and no i wouldn't get into like value versus growth you're just trying to look for i mean his thing would be like look for a strong business that's that's cheap to buy and i'm not right. i'm leaving out the sort of cheap to buy i'm just saying you know if it's a strong business then you can hold it and and hold it forever you know is a good point but i'll also say still put a majority of your money into low cost index funds right. because right. you want to own the whole haystack you're trying to find a needle in this haystack but for most of your money you just own the haystack okay that's how you know the the returns and that's how you own the superstars because you don't want to just say look i'll bet on 20 I got 20 ideas. I'm going to put like almost all my money into those 20 ideas. And those 20, half of them go out of business and half make sort of a 3% return, just a very low average return, which is what most companies, remember I told you, that's what most companies in the stock market are going to do. So with a majority of your portfolio, own the haystack. But if you want to, this is the way that you can juice those returns potentially by trying to beat the stock market. Hey, this is essentially the same advice that they give to people who are going to gamble, have a bankroll and have it be an amount that you're willing to lose. And it's the same advice that you hand out all the time in terms of diversifying your portfolio. You want people to put some money into small cap and higher risk investments, but it's a small slice proportionally of your bigger pie, right? You, most of your pie is in the whole market. Just ride Go with the flow. Be a dead fish. Be that's, a dead fish. That's That would be a horrible tagline for a company. It's like the dead fish people. Um, no, that'll be the title of this episode. Be a dead fish. Be a dead fish. <laughs> that would definitely, as headline rankings go, that would that would intrigue people. That, that might be clickable. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense. When, or to some degree, uh, there are people out there who, I understand that people who a actively manage funds, have a different set of incentives, right? Like they want a certain amount of churn. They want to bring stuff in, bring stuff out. That's how they make their money. But they do have some advantages. They have research. They can really look deeply into the business models of these companies. Is that an advantage 
for them or if you're going to go it alone and figure this out for yourself and try and beat the market on your own, do you have advantages on your own? This is why you don't in invest in your own ideas and try to trade in and out of stocks. Because you know what you're doing, Matt? You're going up against people that do this professionally at 80 hours a week with a whole research team trying to make these decisions. And what did I tell you at the top of the show? T only less than one quarter of them outperform the market. So what is the chance that you're going to become an active, in let's call them active invest, kind of like, oh, I think this company will do well over the next couple of years. You know, here's, here's how I'm gonna treat it. And you've got a full-time job and a family and everything else. Hey, there's no chance. There's no chance, guys. Okay? So if you want to do it, use your superpowers. You can hold things forever. Okay? So come up with like your best ideas, one or two or three or four of them, and put in a small amount and hold them forever. And then with the rest, own the haystack. And when you're doing your own decision, right? You're trying to pick those two or three, four let's say, I don't think this is something you do. Is this something you do? Do you do any of this trying to beat the stock market? Uh, I have, and I do at times. Got it. So <laughs> when you go about it, how do you make the decision about what your two, three, or four is going to be? Not everyone can just say, boy, Coca-Cola, it's got a really, it's got a nice tang to it. By the way, pop quiz, what is the undertaste, the undertone taste that's the base of, of Coca-Cola. Of cola? Yeah. In Coca-Cola specifically. It is it is a fruit flavor. And I, I pop quiz. Just see if you can name it. It will surprise you. Uh, it's not plums because that's Dr. Pepper. You're actually super freaking close. It's prune. Can you prune. believe it? It is prune. Hmm. Yeah. Cola that actually, is good, man. It's the sugar. I, I think it's the sugar. <laughs> Originally, by the way, this whole Quincy, this cute Quincy, Florida story, I assure you, this was after they took the cocaine out of Coca-Cola. It's not, wow, there's something about this that I find really compelling. This I need more, really man. <laughs> I just, hey, everyone invested this. Everybody needs it. Yeah, there was an entire decade, the 1980s, where investment strategy was, in fact, fueled by cocaine. This story is not one of them. How do you, so it's not like you can always just say, oh, I really like the smack of this thing. How do you choose? I used to do a, a regular show with Chris Hill, who's the host of Motley Fool Money. He's big on management teams. He really believes in the power of strong, solid management. He, that's something he looks for when he picks a, a handful yep. of stocks that he's going to invest in. What do you look for? What should I love for? that because you know that kind of leads back to my Amazon example. Like, oh, maybe a bookstore, online bookstore is a good idea. Maybe an online like store for everything is a good idea. But even you have a team that's trying things and a strong management, then you because you have to iterate. The way I do it. Um, I go back to what you said, looking for, for products and services that I enjoy. Let me give you an Amazon example. I moved out to the boonies like 15 years ago where my closest store is like 15 or 20 minute drive. So it's like, oh man, every, every time I need like something, I got to drive 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, there's this thing called Amazon. They, they'll deliver it in two days. Hmm. Do I need this thing in two days? You know, oh man, there's so many products that I can wait two days. Like, no problem. So I was using Amazon. I signed up for Prime. I'm like, two-day shipping. This thing's amazing. And I was telling all my friends here in town, hey, you should use Amazon. You know, your stuff in like two days just shows right up to your house. But I did not invest in Amazon. But that would that's a good example of, man, this thing's amazing. I'm having this experience. I'm telling all my friends about it. You should use this thing. So that's how I go about it. It's that simple. I don't want to take my time or energy. I don't put a lot of money into it. Um, I just say, Hey, this thing's amazing. Same with Apple decades ago. 
they caught, remember, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, like hmm, Dell or Apple, we use Dell computers in my company. They were great. Apple's like twice as much. I'm like, I don't want to spend twice as much, you know, for a computer. But then when I finally used the Apple product the computer, it lasted twice as long and it was way easier to use and way faster and better. And I was like, wait, it lasts twice as long. I was replacing these Dell laptops every like 18 months. So there's another example where like I use something. I was like, whoa, there's, this is pretty cool. Now, again, the management could have dr driven it to the ground. It did like in the 80s. There's no right or wrong, but that's how I go about it is products and services that I'm finding amazing that I'm telling all my friends about. That's a great place to start. Now, I want to draw a quick distinction here that there's a little bit of an image, maybe fueled by the movie Wall Street. I'm not talking about the cocaine thing again, <laughs> of the way to beat the stock market is you need to get inside information. You need to know about something big before it happens. This actually happened to me once, like 25 years ago, a friend mentioned to me, like, there's a company that I think is about to hit something. It wasn't really inside information. It was just someone who's looking real in the industry, looking really closely what they were doing, saying like, they're about to do big things. And my girlfriend at the time, her father was just like having one of those awkward dad conversations with his daughter's boyfriend, which I'm looking forward to in a few years when my daughter's old enough. <laughs> and he was casting around for things to say. And he said, any stock in investment ideas? I had nothing to freaking say either. So the first thing that popped into my mind was this company. And, and he said, oh, that's interesting. We went ahead and invested in it. And he made thousands of dollars and like then the stock split and all kinds of things happened. And he was very grateful. And he bought me a tie as a thank you, which, you know, <laughs> not awesome. that extraordinary. Yeah, it's great, man. That was thank awesome. You. Anyway, point being, this is not at all what you're suggesting here. And in fact, it sounds like part of what you're suggesting is don't adopt that mindset of looking for what might be a big splash in the next six months. What you're looking for is who's got a sustainable, strong product and business model that is going to keep being appealing for years to come. Yeah, yeah, that's how, yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't look at it like you, that's what I was gonna say, Matt, is don't just go for the short term, like, oh, something's gonna happen, or I think in the next couple of years, this thing. Um, and that's why I like the strong management, you know, idea too, because times are always changing. And so if you have a good management team that can change and adjust, but, Really, a lot of this is just unknowable, right? So we're just, again, we are trying to find needles in a haystack. You really don't know which way the company is going to go in 10, 20 years. I mean, you know, what's the world going to look like? If I'd asked you 10 years ago, there's no chance you'd be getting it correct. So we have no idea. It's unknowable what is coming in the future. So if you want to take this approach and try it, hey, you might get lucky, you know, get a couple of those needles and that's great. If not, just make sure to own the haystack. All right. That is a great note to end on. So it sounds like we have actually given people what we kept teasing for so long. There is a way to beat the stock market and it's just find a product that's laced with cocaine. And on that happy note for Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at FinancialPlanningPod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. 
such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.